In this episode, Dr. David Baum, the co-founder of CEDA and former director of the Centre for Higher Education Practice at the Open University, discusses curriculum design, or rather, asks me some challenging questions around curriculum design. We hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you, yes, and thanks for inviting me. Uh, or maybe I invited myself and you said yes, I'm not quite sure what happened here. I thought we would do something a little different. Um, I'm David Baum. I've been working in staff and educational development for approaching a thousand years now, probably, um, or 30 more seriously. I was the founding chair of CEDA and I've worked in international organisations as well. Um, I'm just fascinated by learning and how to help it and the many ways in which teaching and learning and course design both help and impede learning. So staff and educational development, academic development, that's my thing. And in particular, what we're going to work on today which is course design. I used to think improving teaching and learning was all about teaching and learning methods. It's not. It starts earlier. It starts with the design of the course. And rather than me bang on for hours about course design, we're going to show how the process works. And you've courageously volunteered on air to design a course. Yes, I have. Yes. Tell us what's the subject, what's the level, where it fits in the programme. Just give us the basics of your course. So it's a, um, a level four, a first year, or, or a level three foundation year module in a graphic design BA programme, and it is a Principles of Graphic Design uh, 101 course. Okay, Principles of Graphic Design. Um, if I've joined this course as a student... It's probably because I want to be a graphic designer. I mean, call me simplistic, but that's probably what I'm doing here. Principles of graphic design, tiny bit. I mean, it's clear, but tiny bit dry. Can we find something a bit more engaging as a title, perhaps, do you think? So what do you think of what you need to know about graphic design? It's getting more personal. Um, But the truth is, I don't want to know about graphic design. I want to be able to do graphic design. I want to be a graphic designer. So what title can we find which indicates to me that I'm going to be learning to do graphic design? Well, it could just be learning to do graphic design. That'll do. That's fine. Good. This is the, what we're doing now is first drafts of everything, but that, that's a title we can live with. Learning to do graphic design. Okay, good. What would you say was the overall aim of this module that you're designing I would say that it's giving students the tools and techniques to be able to design um, a piece of graphic design for print or web. Okay, good. Tools and techniques is nice because that immediately offers the prospect of doing something practical and real as well as scholarly. What's going to be the overall learning outcome for this module, often people write half a dozen or a dozen or more learning outcomes. I'm going to encourage you to write one overall learning outcome for this module. There will be subsidiary ones, but what's the headline? To be able to use tools and techniques to create 
so students will be able to use tools and techniques to be able to to create a uh, a piece of graphic design. Okay, tweaking it a bit, a range of tools and techniques, and a piece of graphic design for a particular requirement, a particular client. Could you add something like that at the end of it? Would that be okay? Yes, I mean they can. I mean maybe we could have um, a, a, a choice there of, of assessment. So you know, based on you know something that they're familiar with or they're interested in, in terms of um, selection of um, different businesses or, or subject areas or you know areas. That's great. So that they can yeah. have some choice. So yeah. the design. That's, yeah. that's already terrific. Mm. My next question on my relentless march through course design is. What's the final assessment going to be? But you've kind of told me already, haven't you? It's utterly consonant with the overall learning outcome. They're going to undertake a graphic design project for a particular brief, for a particular client, either for web or print. That's that's it. Yeah, that, that, that's it. So it's a really, um, it's a simple way of them going through that process, going to the client, gathering requirements that, that are needed and kind of mapping that out um, using the tools and techniques that they'll be taught week by week so there could be two parallel strands rolling along in this module one is the learning of tools and techniques but all the time for most of the week they're going to be applying these to they're going to be doing the project from week one aren't they they're actually going to be they might even be doing the final assessment from week one who knows anyway we've got a shape already Tell me which tools and techniques you're going to teach them, and we'll find some outcomes for those, acknowledging that this is one of two strands of the module. So this is the tools and techniques that they'll be, that they'll be learning. They'll be learning about the, the ideas of content, repetition, alignment, and proximity, so where to put graphics and text um, on, on a page virtually. Um, so that's, that's, that's one of the, the, the kind of uh, topics that uh, will be covered. So they're design principles, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they're design. Designed, the, but they sound like design principles. Yeah, they, they are design principles um, with the, um, there's a, an acronym there um, for content uh, repetition, uh, alignment and proximity. There is, yes, but we, for a family audience. We no, of course, we're not going to go into that, no. So part of the time they're going to be developed, oh, would you... Would you teach them these things in lockstep altogether or would you just let them pick up on them as they needed for their project? Which is going to work best, do you think? I think teaching them week by week so that they can put them into practice fairly quickly would be would be good. And I've also I've, I've got some other areas as well. So I think, you know, teaching them week by week so they can put them into practice and, and kind of trial them out. In, in class and then also then use them on their on their um, project that they're that they're working on okay those were design principles but i thought you were going to be talking about software packages and stuff it just shows what a horribly techno-centered person i am are you going to be teaching them software packages and tools as well a, a, a little bit, but what we're going, what I was thinking of is that that would be more of a, a flipped approach. So, you know, they, they would get that content and be able to do um, self-paced um, tutorials um, oh, okay. yeah. after an initial kind of um, overview from from myself. And um, 
so that that's when I've done this kind of work before and also seen others teach similar things that's what they've done because there's quite a lot of packages and um, options in all of these um, packages whether you're using you know Adobe InDesign for example or any other package that you're using to, to create this that there's there's lots of options and um, you know most universities either have something like LinkedIn or LinkedIn Learning um, rather or other you know packages that um, go through this um, you know as a tutorial so that's essentially guided self-instruction, is it? Where yes. Yes. The technical techniques and so yes. on. Yes. Yes. So that's, do that's they all fair. have to use? Do they all have to learn to use all of the same ones? No, I think um, again, giving them that choice will be good because they'll be able to to pick um, a tool that they're comfortable with. But also, I think maybe teaching them how to, or at least you know, pointing them in the direction of some of the Adobe packages that that are used in industry is um, point me a plan because then they can they can be familiar uh, with those from from the offset okay right i said that they could maybe start on the final assessment project right from week one but that's kind of high stakes right from the start i could imagine if i were learning graphic design i'd also want to be able to play a bit i'd also want to be able to do mini projects at the risk of introducing jargon so i might want i might want on monday to start a project that i was going to finish by friday it would be small and it wouldn't be brilliant but i'd have gone around the cycle once does that does that fit does that work in graphic design yes so you know rather than creating a poster you could just do a business card for example and then you're only looking at um you know a, a small you know, piece of text and, and graphic to be designed. Mostly it's white, you know, white space. Um, and then you're still applying some of those principles that I mentioned earlier. So yeah, that works. So there's a, there's a, you know, it can build in that way. So from a business think, card to, to something larger. And even in week one, you could build in the client stuff because they could be each other's clients, couldn't they? Yes. So, you know, you, you, you're, um, yes, exactly. So they, they can um, pick a local business that they, they go to and say, you know, um, would you like us to, you know, or myself, you know, as a, as a student to redesign your brand and then they can, you know, interview those, um, that business and, um, and get ideas for, for what that business actually is about and, and kind of, you know, work with them, prototype things, design mock-ups initially on paper for the client. And then all of those um, skills that are needed in the workplace, um, often referred to as soft skills, are, are being taught in in parallel. I really wish we didn't call them soft skills. It makes them sound easier. And these are no, no, I know. Not I, I easy, was but they're important. No, I saw you hesitate even as you use the phrase. That's going to be a pretty good first week or two of the course, isn't it? Because by the end of it, they'll have done a piece of graphic design. Yeah, exactly. And that's motivating and for them. And presumably peer-reviewed all each other, each other's work and all these art and designy type things that people do. You know the VLE in a discussion board, or if they you know um, exchange things in in Microsoft Teams, uh, whatever platform that they're using, um, then you know people can upload their their um, graphic design work and comment underneath it as a, as a as a, an image. That's fascinating. I I hadn't realised it, but as I was talking, I was seeing a physical classroom setting. But you've 
gently pulled us back to the virtual world. Sorry, the online world is equally real. It's just online. You gently pulled us back to the online world where they're working at the moment. And the truth is, it doesn't make a great deal of difference, does it? Because the process is essentially the same. It is. If you're if you're working on a more of a group basis, um, then that kind of collaboration that you that you need is easier um in my opinion you know in a face-to-face um physical space but then there are also tools like we're using today to um you know do this um so you know you can use you know screen sharing and um webinar and conferencing software to um to kind of have these these discussions equally as well and actually that also sim- um you know simulates what's actually happening in the real world at the moment which is really key for for students because you know the 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 job market is changing as well so you know digital proficiency um is something that is is key as well different subjects have different natural curriculum shapes we've come up here you've come up with your course please don't let me ever teach graphic design you've come up with a kind of spiral curriculum here haven't you in which you do a small project and then a bigger project and then a bigger project and then the final project you've gone around the loop in Colbyan terms you've gone around the learning cycle a few times but mm. each one has been real each one has been complete each one has been doing a piece of design and each one has been researching and documenting and trying different design approaches and getting customer feedback and implementation and then critical review with a client and with peers and colleagues. It's a fairly rich, detailed process. By the end of your module, they'll have done this three or four times already. Yes, and, and be able to then apply that learning into, you know, into the second year or level five um, and take it into, into you know, bigger projects from the outset and also you know, build on on graphic design that um, uses 3D elements, which you know this this particular module will only be using 2D vector-based um, graphics, but you know then there'll be um, three-dimensional stuff as well. So you know this is um, this is a kind of you know real key um, and and a fundamental kind of building block for for the students as they as they progress through the um, through the degree program course. The spiral curriculum's not quite an adequate name for it in some ways. I mean, it does get this sense of a cycle, and it does get this sense of upward movement, but it's always struck me as more like a whirlwind in the sense that it gets wider and bigger as it, as it goes upwards. Mm. Um, but, they're, but they're doing design. They're living up to the title of the module right from week one. They're doing graphic design and just getting better at it, sweeping in more ideas and more practices. Now, that's, that's the kind of course a person would want to do. Mm. You could really kill a course in graphic design. You could do six weeks of lectures on design process, by which time everybody would be unconscious, bored, and thinking of leaving. Or you could do it your way, which is to get them doing it. And I'm, I'm <clears throat> you'll gather from my tone of voice which approach I prefer. No, I said no, yes. different disciplines have different shapes. Some subjects are more linear the more scientific and mathematical subjects, there's a sense of progression. You build each week on what went before, and it's more linear. But you can always do some, whatever the subject, you can do it, whether you're teaching philosophy or graphic design or mathematics or medical sciences or anything. You can always do some philosophy 
mathematics, medical sciences, whatever, always, always, always. And I sometimes think that the easiest way to write the overall learning outcome for a course is just to put the word do in front of the course title. The student will be able to do whatever the title of the course is. Then you have to work out what it means to do it. And I love that because it drags us away from just knowing the subject and into doing the subject. But this is an academic course. So where does the high level academic stuff come in here? Where does the the theory come into your course? Where does the the critical reflection and analysis where do, where does the academic come into your course? So I would say that comes in um, each week through maybe possibly a reflective um, journal that they they would keep. Um, and I'm thinking off the top of my head here a little bit that they would keep this reflective um, journal and that would be a component of the assessment. So it would be quite a low stakes assessment, maybe 20% if that. And that would, um, you know, that would be the, 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 the real taught bit. So along with the actual principles being taught um, week on week and the, the actual, pro- you know, mini projects that are building up, that there would be um, some underpinning um, theories of design and graphic design that then they can you know, go away and reflect upon based on the work that they do each week. So those mini projects, the reflections of them can be the, um, you know, the academic aspect of, of the course. Um, so, so they're getting, getting to think about and write about them. So there's a constant inter, no, it's okay. There's a constant interplay between practice and reflection and theory, bit of new theory, apply the theory, See how it works, see how it doesn't work, see what you like, see what you don't like, see what gaps there are in your capability, research to plug the gaps. It's a very dynamic kind of process. It's a, it's a rolling, rattling conversation between theory and practice and reflection and research. They aren't separate steps. They're all happening together. Yes, exactly. Exactly that. So, you know, they, they exactly. So that there isn't this, this, um, um, dichotomy between, um, you know, teaching and research and application. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it's integrated and it's, um, you know, it's, it's very holistic. Um, and looking at, at design in that way is really important because, you know, it, it, it's, um, it's a bit like the quote, you know, um, we are more than the sum of our parts, you know. So it's 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 that kind of idea where you're teaching people how, you know, how to place things on 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 screen, the alignment, images, text, color, accessibility, copyright. But if you're actually doing that through this project-based approach, week by week, and it's building up to the the final assessment, then it's it's something that they they are living um week on week um and it doesn't feel like discrete topics that are disconnected i think you're going to get a certain amount of enthusiasm from your students as they work as they work their way through this course because they're going to be doing graphic design we've been talking about implicitly as a solo activity so far although we have talked about them acting as each other's clients and critically reviewing each other's work. Is there any scope for collaboration in graphic design? And if so, would you want to put it into your module or are they going to be resolutely individualistic here? 
I think there will be an element of, of, of that collaboration, maybe in, in, the, in the peer review element rather than anything else, because they, they will have to produce the, um, the work them, themselves uh, in, this, in this particular module. But I would see that kind of collaboration growing you know, level on level. So once they're in level five, six, they're going to be you know, exposed to more and more um, collaboration because again that that um, that's how you know the, the world of graphic design and design in general works where you've got teams working on different elements of of, of the design so I would see that that building um, maybe not so much in this particular first year module a possible criticism of the approach we're coming up with here is that it's all about the work the students are doing where where and how do they engage with the wider world of graphic design? Where and how do they see, review, research, criticise, look at the stupendous amounts of graphic design of all levels of quality which are out there in the world? How do you, how do you bring the rest of the world of graphic design into this course whilst letting them pursue their individual projects? So if they're creating, say, for example, a, a business card for week one, then they would look at business card designs, you know, in the, in the, in the real world and critique those based on the principles that have been taught that week. They would keep those in, um, in mind. So each of those projects would also maybe have, um, an element of looking at that particular type of graphic design, whether it's a, um, a business card or a leaflet or a poster or a booklet, they would look at these these kind of artifacts in the real world and critique them both in class, but then they could also have an element of, of assessment in, in that as well in, in the module, say 5%, something very small, yeah. just to keep yeah. it, you know, keep it going. That's what I've advised you know, staff in the past so that, you know, um, um, I know, um, reading some of, um, Phil Race's work around strategic learners, um, in his, um, in many of his books where he sort of says, you know, learners are strategic and increasingly so. So, you know, always have some sort of assessment attached to it so that they, they're motivated to do so. Yeah. Show you, show you value it. Give it a mark. It's a mm. reasonable principle. Marks and grades are the currency of higher education. So let's use them to steer behavior. The truth is we can't not use marks and grades to steer behavior because marks and grades do yeah. steer behavior. Yeah. So let's just make the, make sure they steer them in the directions we want. Um, as we move to the end of this, can we look a bit more at the, at the final assessment? Um, what sort of a, the scale of project is that going to be, and how are and are they going to have the opportunity to submit drafts and get feedback on the house? How's it going to work for the final assessment? Think about that a bit. So I would see the final assessment as being something of a multi-page document. So that that could be uh, a small booklet, it could be a brochure of some sort, you know, um, something of that that order, um, and between eight and 12 pages, maybe, um, rather like some of the stuff that you, you, you get through your, your letterbox from supermarkets and that kind of um, thing, uh, where they're advertising you know, products um, where you've got you know, text, images, um, and um, et cetera um, in, um, in there. So that's the kind of scope that I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. Um, okay. 
that makes sense. And where do the assessment criteria for that final piece of work come from? What kind of criteria do you have in mind? I'm talking about criteria for standards. Where can you talk about what would make this a good and acceptable piece of work? So this would be covered during the weeks in terms of some of the principles that have been discussed, as I mentioned earlier. Those would be part of a, a rubric that would be that would be given to the students part of the assessment. So yeah, that would be that would be how I would I would look at that. Um, what kinds of things would the assessment criteria say, Santanu? Just not not the whole list, just a couple of examples to give us the flavour of it. You know, the idea that the the, the content is um, well laid out with in you know white space appropriate um, that there is um, repetition in the in the design of the um, of the content where needed so that the person viewing it knows where where to look that the you know there's good alignment with um, with the content and those kind of things so and also um, you know thinking about are images that are used appropriate you know is there um, is there good use of color that's accessible those kind of things that I would I would be looking at in the um, in the rubric and presumably in the second and third years they can break all of these rules, but only in a self-conscious and knowing way. Yes, to to to, to a certain extent. Um, although it must be noted that that some some of these accessibility and other um, things do affect um, people with um, neurodiverse conditions. So it yes. is it is worth you know bearing that in mind as I've as I've experienced um, recently. So. Okay, let, let, let's close with a couple of reflections on the process that we've gone through. Moving away now from consideration of graphic design and back onto course design, which is where we started. Uh, this wasn't your first foray into design of courses in graphic design. I appreciate that. But could you just say how the process has been for you and what, you, if anything, you've discovered about course design from the process we've gone through in the last chunk of time? I think the um, focus on on the way in which we're putting the students and them doing something active has been really interesting for me um, in this conversation that I've had with you this afternoon, David. And I would say that the 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 idea of looking at the the assessment and the way that's designed is something that is, is you know has been really interesting as well for me personally. I think. A lot of the times, myself and indeed others, academics I've seen, we really think about what needs to be delivered and taught and covered. And, and I've noticed that more so with younger academics or people who have um, less experience. They're really thinking about, I've got to, I've got to teach this, um, you know, this this module, this this much content that I've got to you know, teach. Whereas they're they're not thinking so much about how much the students will be able to digest and in in which way um, will they be able to digest so it was really you know interesting through our dialogic approach here you know how we kind of unpick that this afternoon we haven't you're right we haven't talked much about teaching and we haven't talked much about content but i think we've ended up you've ended up i've just been sitting here asking irritating questions but you've ended up with at least the outline of a module which students are going to want to learn and at the end of which they're going to know they are actually starting to be early 
prototype graphic designers, which is kind of the point, wasn't it? Yes, yeah, no, definitely, definitely. And every subject and every conversation has to find its own version of this, and it will play out this conversation differently in every subject, with with every academic, at every level. But I think the basic process is... uh, I think it stands. Anyway, thank you very much for humouring me, Santino. I appreciate that very no, much, and I hope no. it's at least mildly useful. Thank you, David, for your time and uh, and for probing me on a subject that I know a bit about over the years. And hopefully, um, our listeners find this way of thinking about course design and uh, curriculum design useful. Thank you. Thank you to David Baum for his insightful questions. Coming up next time on Talking He. We speak to doctors Tiffany Chu and Billy Wong about the ideal student. A preview coming up. So, hello, my name is Tiffany Chu. I am a senior teaching fellow in educational development at the Centre for Higher Education Research and Scholarship at Imperial College London. I lead a staff development program that enhances their learning and teaching practice, and I teach topics such as student transition and progression and educational learning and teaching theories, and these are also my areas of research interest. Uh, hi, uh, my name is Billy Wong, and I am an associate professor at the Institute of Education, University of Reading. Uh, I have been doing research uh, in the sociology of education for over 10 years, looking into the career aspirations and lived experiences of young people from minoritized backgrounds from secondary to education. What we need to be very clear about is that we may have different ideas about the ideal students in terms of the student characteristics and attributes. And that leads us to a few more questions, especially what is the ideal student? Why is it important? And who? Our um, working definition of the concept of the ideal student is that um, the ideal student constitutes the desirable but realistic expectations of students. And it is important to emphasize that the ideal student is not about perfection, nor being the best or the highest. So we think this is important as very often students seem to associate the word ideal with the word perfect. All that and more in the next episode of Talking HE. Until then, thanks for listening. I've been Santini Vassant and this has been Talking HE.